Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, believe it or not, we're already almost two full months into the year of 2021, and time has sure flown by. And with that, the days are at least getting longer, and spring is hopefully on the way soon. And by now, most of us have adjusted to our routines at work and school again after all those crazy holiday breaks and, and rest time that we had just a few months ago. And perhaps this time of year is maybe a little dull or boring for many of us. But I do want to ask, how are those New Year's resolutions going? Well, accordingly, by the end of February, nearly every single resolution has been abandoned, something like 90 to 95% of them. And that's assuming any of us made one in the first place. But why do they fail so often? Well, actually, we know exactly why they fail. They, um, over time, we lose steam and dedication to these things. Soon, that voice in the back of our head starts to tell us, oh, you can skip going to the gym today, or you can get back on your diet tomorrow. And then tomorrow turns into the day after tomorrow, and then the day after tomorrow turns into the day after that, and so on. We all know how that works. Our tired muscles, aching bodies, bored minds, busy schedules, all these things tempt us to go off track from what we're trying to do. And so eventually, we give in to the temptation to give up or to have that thing we shouldn't. Now, whether it be with New Year's resolutions, food, skipping our workouts, or whatever else, temptation is something that every single one of us encounter, and on a very regular basis. This is especially true in a world where we are so bombarded by advertisements and, um, and, and advertisements, and if you turn on any TV channel or go down any road and look at any billboard or visit almost any website, you'll be quickly reminded at how surrounded we are by these things. They allure us with idealized lifestyles, happy people, big houses, and whatever else to get our attention, to grab the attention of our hearts. And it's not just on media. It can be for a big company or a small company. It can be for a school or a subscription of some sort. And to a large extent, advertisements just work. That's why billions of dollars every single year are spent on them especially during the Super Bowl ads. But why do ads work? Well, it's because advertisements convince us that we need something, that something we either don't already have, or at least that we need more of something. Now, inherently, there's nothing wrong with that, because businesses need to get their products out there so people know about them and so that they can make money. But temptations, contrary to God's will for us, work in a very similar way, just like advertisements do. They convince us that we need something more, that we um, can benefit from whatever the temptation is offering us. And that can lead us to stop doing something or to start doing something. Now, temptations are all around us. They happen all the time. 
not just through TV or internet ads. In fact, they're regarded as something that's hardwired into our brains to serve as a basic survival mechanism. So to be human is to experience temptation because it has the potential to influence our decisions, our actions, our inactions, and even relationships. Just like that ad for our favorite restaurant can tempt us to get into the car at midnight to go pick up a snack, so can a temptation cause us to skip that assignment we were supposed to do, or that appointment we were supposed to go to. Or perhaps to talk badly about that friend when they're not in the room anymore. Or to visit that website we shouldn't. Or go see that person we shouldn't go see. Or to steal that bracelet when no one's looking. And it goes on and on. Anywhere from loud, brightly colored commercials to that quiet little voice in the back of our head. Temptations come to us, telling us that we want something, that we need it, that the grass is greener on the other side. And temptations, they just work. They've worked for all of human history, even better than any ad campaign we could ever imagine. And it's because we love temptation. We love what temptation offers us, that escape, that vice, that thing that fill the void. And this, this produces a good feeling in us. And this good feeling is something that we chase after. And then excuses are made, consequences are ignored, and secrets are kept. We decide that this temptation is worth whatever the risk or outcome may be. So in our hearts, we end up saying a prayer that's a, a different version of a very familiar prayer that sounds more like this. Lead me into temptation. We look for these opportunities to chase that good feeling. And so we um, desire temptation in that regard. Now Martin Luther describes a temptation as an attack. An attack specifically on the body, mind, and soul. And I think for us today, that's actually a very helpful way to talk about the problem that can come through temptation. And that's especially true when we're in a situation where we know better than to give into a temptation. A temptation can feel like we're in the middle of a battle that's going on in our hearts. Like our hearts are being pulled in two different directions. And so we have to decide which side we want to go with. And so it's that internal battle in our hearts. But the truth is, a temptation is much more than just a battle we run into every now and then. It's a full-on war. It's a war that's been fought since nearly the beginning of time, many thousands of years ago, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And it's a war that our Lord is caught in the middle of as well. This war is between life and death, between sin and perfect order, and between the devil and Jesus. Verse 12 and 13 of Mark chapter 1, which was read earlier this morning, say this to us about Jesus. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And so this is the story of Jesus' temptation just after he was baptized. Now, these short couple verses can be something that would be easy to glance over or to skip over because they're such a brief account. However, this account actually depicts one of the most important parts in our lives especially and also in Jesus' life. 
because it's the same war that we're caught in, the war between sin and life. Our gospel reading from Mark, though, doesn't really include the details of this. However, we do know more about this, of, of this account from Matthew and Luke's gospels. And accordingly, they describe it in, uh, they give us the more uh, uh, vivid details of the battle that's going on. But unlike any other battle we're used to, this battle is fought with words. The word of God versus the word of the devil. And Jesus was out in the wilderness by himself for 40 days fasting. So he wasn't eating anything. So naturally, the devil first tempts Jesus by saying this, if you are the son of God, then command these stones on the ground to become loaves of bread so that you may eat. Jesus resists that temptation. And then the devil takes him up to a high place, up near a cliff, because Jesus is out there alone, and so he tempts him with doubt. He says to him, if you're the son of God, then throw yourself down off of this high place and let your angels catch you. Jesus also resists this. So finally, the devil and Jesus go up to even a higher mountain where they can overlook the nations and all of their power and their glory and all the magnificence. And the devil says to him, if you want all of this, then bow down and worship me. I will give you power. But despite these attempts, our Lord perfectly resisted all of these temptations. He remains faithful to the word of God even though he's alone, hungry, and weak. Now I did paraphrase these conversations between Jesus and the devil a little bit, but the point remains the same. At the heart of these temptations was the lie that God's word is not enough. That if God really cared, then why would he leave him in this situation? And the devil was putting these questions into our Lord's head by saying things like, well, if you're really the son of God, then why is the father letting you go hungry? If you're really the son of God, then where's your army of angels to catch you when you fall? If you really want power, then go with me. Give in to my temptation. I'll give you visible power over these nations because you're wasting your time with God's word. Look where it's left you. And just like how the devil tempted Jesus with these prying questions, temptations creep into our minds and drive us to ask similar questions. Questions like, well, if God really cared about me, then why can't I get that job? If God really cared about me, then why have I been diagnosed with cancer? If God really cared, then why am I alone? Why do I need so many things? I thought God was supposed, to, was supposed to provide for me. And these questions that creep into our heads, into our hearts, lead us to doubt God. They tempt us to doubt that God really cares about us, that he actually does provide anything. And these kinds of attacks are the, are the kind of attacks that all of us as Christians will face because the devil wants nothing more than to destroy our faith. And so he'll pry at us with these nagging little questions to eat away and erode our trust and our love of God. And the truth is, there are those times where we are just tired, spiritually weak, spiritually hungry. And it's in these opportunities that the devil will sneak in with these questions. 
in order to get us to despise God's word and even despise God himself. And this is the war that you and I are caught in the middle of. It's a spiritual war. And the devil is just as desperate as he was with Jesus to defeat us in this war too. To bring us away from God's love. To bring us away from God's salvation, which has been promised to us since the beginning of our faith. And so he tempts us with whatever he can. Doubt, deceit, selfishness, and whatever else. But we must be clear about one thing here. This war, the war between our Lord and the devil, is exactly the war we want to be in. And that's because our God has won this war. Everything that Jesus went through in that wilderness, everything he did was for you and me in our place. You see, God's son, Jesus Christ, is both fully man and fully God, which means he's the full manifestation of what humanity was created to be. Perfect, full of love, faithful, and obedient to God's word. This battle between Jesus and the devil in the desert is not one that we're watching safely from the sidelines. We're actually safely involved right in the middle of it because Jesus is in us and with us and for us. He resisted all of these temptations and he was victorious over the devil. But the final victory was proclaimed at the cross where he once again took our place to become the sacrifice to atone for the sins where we have failed to resist temptation. And this victory that God proclaimed at the cross, where he defeated sin and death and the devil forever, became our victory. Because our Lord is in our place there as well. You see, our life with Jesus doesn't just stay in the wilderness, being tempted and pried at by the devil's questions. Our life with Jesus begins at our baptism, where we too hear the words that we are God's beloved child with whom he is well pleased. And then, in these waters of baptism, we also encounter the cross, where we die to sin, and then where we're raised to life again in Christ. From that very moment, the Holy Spirit creates faith in your heart and brings you to God, to belong to him forever. And so, his um, perfect resistance in the wilderness against temptation, his death, his resurrection, his eternal life, all of that belongs to you. His victory is your victory. And because of this gift, we receive through faith. We are given something that no temptation can ever give us. A full, right, and perfect relationship with God. Full forgiveness of sin. Full forgiveness for those times that we failed to resist those temptations. And a life that never ends. And a true hope built on the Son of God. And throughout the rest of our lives... We're going to face temptation. Our sinful nature, the world and the devil will all work very hard to tempt us. But when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he responded with the word. And this same word is the word that has brought you and I here to faith, here to grow in God's word. In fact, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, the prayer we have known throughout all of our lives, when we ask God to lead us not into temptation, we're not only asking him to protect us from that, but we're also receiving the promise that he does protect us. He strengthens us against those temptations. 
And so his word sustains us, his word forgives us, and he hears us when we pray that prayer. Now, if you find yourself caught in the middle of a temptation that you have a a difficult time resisting, or a sin that you fall into over and over again, know that we worship, that we belong to the God of light. And the God of light has shown his light into your life because in darkness, temptations thrive. But in God's light, you have been brought out to be forgiven, to be strengthened, to be walked with. And so with our continued struggle that we face in the flesh, let us all rejoice in the fact that our Lord strengthens us and gives us the means of escape. Amen. And may the grace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in the one true faith.